0: This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.tv, University of California Television. Like what you learn, help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes.
1: Hello, welcome everyone to the Carsey Wolf uh, virtual discussion on the Korean film Parasite. I am Soon Park. I'm originally from Korea. I now teach English literature at UCSB, and I am really excited to have Professor Kyonghyun Kim, also originally from Korea, who now teaches at UC Irvine. He teaches East Asian studies and visual studies. I'll just say a few words about Hyun's work. Hyun is a novelist. He's a producer of award-winning uh, films such as The Housemaid, and a specialist in Korean popular culture, in particular, the global reception of uh, the Korean wave. So Um when, when we first conceived of this project, it was over a year ago when Parasite just won the Palme d'Or at Can, And we were thinking of bringing uh, the, 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 the director, the Junot to UCSB. But everything's changed since then because of COVID. But one of the things that the film was very prescient on was the kind of world in which we live, that we seem to be... What COVID has revealed is that we, we seem to be living in two parallel worlds where... Um, a natural disaster like COVID has no bearing on the wealthy few, uh, whereas the abject misery of of many uh, uh, is is completely separate from the reality of, of the haves as as opposed to the have nots. And this this was brought um, really really t- you know to crystal clarity in the flood scene. So I was wondering if you could begin the discussion by uh, saying a few words about. Pong Juno's worldview, um, his prescience, and maybe his subversive uh, cr- critique of the global order. I
0: think uh, the the film has uh, won notoriety um, uh, mainly because I mean it, it speaks directly to obviously the economic disparity that exists between you know rich and poor. There's no doubt about it, um, and he makes a uh, very austere and serious statements about you know this. The, the growing I think gap between the rich and the poor right um neoliberalism has a spared no um, spared no obviously uh, no one and, and Koreans included this is and so it's um it's one of the things to think about um yes it's a critique is very uh, it's a film that participates in a kind of obviously uh, uh, this kind of a prism of uh, social sort of critique but at the same time i think uh, it's in many ways, uh, you know, humorous uh, and maybe even a cynical kind of critique. So it's yes, it's a critique. It's a social critique that is there, um, but uh, you know, it's something that it never lets go of the power of I think humor, right, and the power of this kind of a satire, um, and so you have um and, and if you want to see this um image that i posted um i know screen sharing is not that great but uh, those of you who actually have access to that link you know that is on the um the website uh you can go on and the i i have uh, the opening uh shot of the film uh which is basically um which is basically a a few launder socks, you know, that is hanging from the ceiling. And um, that's the foreground. And the background is the window that opens up to the alleyway that the the, the family, you know, uh, lives in. Right. The Kim family lives in. And um, it's to be contrasted, perhaps, uh, with another, I don't know, window. That is, you know, and that's the second image on that slideshow, if you will, uh, of the five set, five image uh, slideshow that I've got posted up there, which will come later. It's the old window that opens up to the garden, you know, of um, the backyard, the green lush uh, backyard, the, the park family, you know. So you got two basically windows, I think, that really speaks volumes. The yeah, I mean, there's economic disparity. One only looks at right the alleyway and the, and the stinky, you know, people who are urinating. I mean, you, you, I'm assuming people have watched the movie and you would remember obviously the, the view is not very pleasant, right? From the people who are living in what is called in Korean, right? The, the half kind of a, a underground kind of a setting, residential setting that is not very, you know, um, pleasant. And then to be contrast that against the, the window that opens up to the lush, green kind of a backyard where pleasure really awaits, right? Over there, there's no stinkiness. There's no, like, hardship. There's no people who are drunk, you know, who will be urinating in your, you know, outside your bedroom. There's none of that. And so the contrast, I think, is, is, is speaks volumes to the yeah economic disparity. But here is a humorous way in which, you're in, in, in a kind of a satire, right, satirical way in which you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna actually try to look at the growing disparity of the two families throughout the entire movie. And obviously, flood becomes also another microcosm in which this will be uh, presented. And I wanted to also point out that this is a kind of uh, a cinematic kind of ways in which, you know, the film is trying to also communicate to the audiences. In, in small screens, it's very difficult to get that kind of, um, I don't know, big uh, presentation in which you would think about and conceptualize the details of the symbolic kind of meanings, right, associated with, People are urinating or, you know, um, the, the wet socks that is actually dripping uh, from the ceiling. Those kind of things is very difficult uh, to capture in a very small screen. Uh, cinematog- uh, cinematically, it just doesn't open up. However, I think Bong Joon-ho has found a way to speak in ways that, again, do not let go of the uh, satire or the humor. And secondly, the somatic ways in which this speaks, you know, um, captures uh, different kinds of metaphors and symbolisms. And, and and if if there's time, you know, afterwards, I'll, I'll be happy to talk more about metaphors, because I think, you know, metaphor is also another thing that is very interesting in, in Bong Joon's
1: films, especially Parasite. Absolutely. I mean, the two things that you uh, uh, pointed to there, which is kind of the cynical humor, humorous nature of things, I mean... The the critique is quite savage, but it's always done in a very humane way, in ways that everybody can relate to. The thing that many people spoke about is that, yes, it is about the rich and the poor, it's about upstairs, downstairs, it's about class divide, it's about struggle, and yet there's no clear villain in the story because uh, one of the things that he's able to do in this film is he he situates every character, every action in the very concrete texture of everyday life and that's something that we might talk about the how situated it is in in the korean context and yet you can watch it completely in a very different context and confer meaning into it i say this because we had a showing in our own department um, and there were lots of students, international students, who were talking about the film from their own point of view. And I was very delighted and uh, extremely interested to see how many variations that the film yielded. Uh, so when we talk about um, the Koreanness of the film, which it undoubtedly is, um, but the global nature of this Korean language film, um, how do you explain the popularity or the the vast way that people could relate to the film um, on that level?
0: Yeah, I, and as I, I I think said a number of times, you know, in the conversation that we've had um, points to. I mean, this is not you know the obviously the the film begins with a familiar place, right? And I, I'm trying to pick on details, but. The Wi-Fi poor, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, this is this is where the film begins. And even though I'm middle class, you know, I'm not in a stable job, I and mean, we we always struggle with certain kind of bills that pile up. You know, and one of the ways in which we we try to remain afloat is okay, we don't want to spend that much money on our Wi-Fi bills or the phone bills or the cable bills, right? <laughs> and and you know, I mean, every month is almost always a struggle to to balance the budget in that way. You know, even even when you do have a middle class status, and for the for the poor like the Kims who or large unemploy,ed I mean, it's more of a struggle. So, on the global level, you actually think about okay, I mean, this is an issue that relates to all of us, right? The Wi-Fi poor, you know, and uh, trying to cheat a little bit, trying to it, it doesn't hurt anybody, right? <laughs> you know, um. And, and, and also digital poor is, uh, you know, different kind of poor than let's say food poor, you know, it's, uh, I mean, starvation is, is real pain, right? I mean, it's, it's one of the necessities is, you know, you need the housing, you, need, you know, you need clothing I mean, to survive. But if, if you don't have internet, right, if you don't have data, it's, it's like, yeah, yeah, you're, 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 you suffer because, you know again, it's, it's the age of information and you need that information in order to actually right, sustain yourself. But at the same time, you don't starve to death, right? So it's a different kind of uh, pivot that obviously Bone uses to speak, I think, to a larger audience than just Koreans, but mm-hmm. something that is very topical and also very local, you know, because he's thinking about, in many ways, wordplay, so... Y pi, you know, it's fi. You know, the F sound doesn't exist in Korea, right? So it's, it becomes a P sound, Y pi, and it rhymes with Choco pi, you know, <laughs> right? Which is which is a, I, I think uh, uh, just a comical way in which he, he riddles it, Y pi, you know, and Choco pie, you know, is uh, which comes up. I think you know one 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 point in the movie is is, uh, again, it, it makes it kind of a charming and localized kind of a sense of, I think, you know, global, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, sense of, I don't know, a disparity of resources that we all are familiar with. And yeah, yeah and, and just one more thing. I mean, and, and we can go there uh, if you want to. I mean, and so uh, he tries to, again, cynically or satirically approach, I think, the economic issues. And this is one of the advantages and strength, obviously, of Longzhen you now, where he's not thinking about subversion in a direct kind of Marxist sense, you know, of, of class, you know, class subversions, but more in a sense, yeah, it's Marxist, in, you know, in, in a certain sense, but one that becomes more of a post-Marxist sensibility. So you have a negation of negation that doesn't necessarily lead to affirmation right but you have a constant kind of evolving of one uh, thwarting of utopia okay if you will yes negation of negation should lead to utopia or socialist utopia if you will but it doesn't get there right so that's the joke and the humor yes you're you're aware of it capitalism sucks and you know the 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 filthy rich they they should lose money (laughs) you know uh, and 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 poor people are just going to be as resourceful and you know as 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 witty as they can be in order to actually turn the thing around, but it never gets there right that that kind of again utopian imagination you never get there quite fully is i think the kind of a strength that you know Bong Joon-ho uh, constantly
1: invokes yes, and in in particular in you know with this film, maybe not his other films it was the the kind of observation and the uh the wi- willingness to see many sides of a situation it was kind of more like human comedy of balzac that it's a, it's a film that that examines wealth and status and the obsession with wealth and status and how that divides people but it's never done in a um a crude way um which leads me to Uh, Another angle that was picked up on at the discussion in our department, which has to do with language. It's a curious film because this was the first film that won the best picture at the Academy Awards, which is not in English. Uh, I think that's right. Um, uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, So it's 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 in a minor so-called minor language. But within the film, there's very clear linguistic hierarchy so you know nathan park he, he calls himself nathan and jessica kijang comes up with jessica from illinois and and so um uh, you have to become jessica in order to actually become legitimate yes yeah so um you know the way the uh, uh mrs park throws in all these english words um and then the the housekeeper when she's kind of sending up the north koreans when she's having fun by impersonating a North Korean um, news presenter. So, you know, the hierarchy of language is clearly captured, uh, but in a very subtle way. Um, and I think this is something that many people could relate to around the world. W- would you agree with that?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, and, and to tell you the truth, I mean, this is a small Right, I, I may have a small complaint I have with the, with the film because, yes, it's hierarchical, but I think and I understand that there is an art of deception, you know, that the film is trying to um, uh, invoke as one of the main themes <laughs> of the movie. So uh, I don't really know if, if, the, if the poor kids, you know, Ki and Q, uh, uh, whether they speak English really well, you can never tell, yes, they can throw out you know um English words is here and there. Whether they actually speak English, well, we don't, we don't, we, we're one not 100% sure, although they're teachers of, obviously, I mean, Q, especially English, right? Um, a, I, I think uh, the, the small complaint is um, that uh, a family with poor resources as such, uh, an art of deception can only work. I mean, yes, a forgery document, maybe, yes, you can you can get there. Right. But in, in terms of, again, like feeding that kind of mastery of English is really, really difficult to pull off. You know, even if you're the most successful comment, you know, it's uh, it's very difficult to pull off. So that was to me. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I buy it, you know, again, again, having um, not had proper research and, you know, they can't go to school because of obviously they don't have tuition blah, blah, blah. And yet they speak really good enough English to pull that common job. I think is, it was a bit of a stretch for me, but yes, I think, you know, overall, I think you're right that the film um, is uh, in many ways thinking about conceptualizing, you know, how English does have a way of hierarchizing classes. Um, Korea is no exception. Um, but I think, you know, um, unlike some other countries. Um, and I'm thinking about France for known also, you know, like, I mean, certain um, post-colonial intellectuals have talked about, okay, this is master, like the French being the master language and then, you know, you have a creolization of different kinds of, obviously, you know, the so-called slave languages. I don't know if Korean ev- ever had that kind of uh, status of the place, because I, I think, Koreans always had that kind of uh, pride, if you will, uh, when it comes to Hangul, right? The writing um, of Hangul, which you never had to really borrow from the alphabet, right? The romanization of the alphabet. You have your own, you know, alphabet that was there, you know, 600 years, 700 years, um, which is a digital language already, you know? It's a systematic language. And uh, a lot of people uh, still have a lot of pride with, Hangul, so you, uh, yeah, you prioritize English but you never let go of the pride that is associated with your own la- local language. And, and it has never, unlike, you know, some of the colonial, obviously, you know, um, post-colonial languages that have uh, been threatened with the extinction. Uh, Hangul probably never had that threat um, except, you know, the, you know, very brief period of Japanese colonial era. So against English, you, you never had that kind of okay. This is the slave language, opposed to you know English being the master language. So uh, it's, you can still. Pl- I, I, I'm saying this because you can still play around with code switching, okay? Because the master-slave kind of dialectic is not something that is actually permanent or or that is that is that is stable. And so you can play around with the power, power structure and the power, power dynamics a little bit, get around just the way in which, you know, these, the Hong is having fun with English in, in Parasite and not be, uh, not really have your, you know, mental identity, you know, like your nationalist identity be, 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 um, be uh, uh, legitimized, you know, illegitimized. That, that's not the kind of threat that you actually feel. Uh, because of again relative stability with, Hangul and the pride again uh, unwavering pride Koreans associate with Hangul. Yeah,
1: that's a fascinating angle. And it, it it really I want to pick up on on what you said earlier about the the incredible attention to detail that that he achieves in every single film and the 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 you see the film three four times you wouldn't really get it but the the the, the repetitive syllables of. Um, the the Korean word parasite in the characters' names, or as you said, the Wi-Fi and the chocopie, and yeah, you know, there's so much punning, uh, visual punning, but verbal punning in the film, um, which which kind of um, I, I think uh, that's something what I, I wanted to pick up on, but also with English as kind of the master language, I think a lot of um, people in America, when they watched the film, one of the interesting things about it was that it gave them a perspective of how America looks from the outside, uh, which they hadn't quite realized before that Illinois could could signify ultimate privilege and it would be her passport to a different kind of a world if you, if you study Illinois, for example. Not many people, friends in Illinois would have this self-perception, but from Korea, things look very, very different. Another thing is that um, I, I know that a lot of people made uh, what was translated as ramdon, you know, the combination of the two instant noodles that they, that uh, Mrs. Park eats after she comes back from camping, which is chapaguri in the film. And um, it's, it's the contact with a world, which is very, very, very far, but also very, very near, I want to kind of um, hear your thoughts on that, uh, particularly with reference to food, because there is a lot to talk about when it comes to food in the film and food, uh, the importance of food in Korean culture, the, the family, social nature of eating uh, and, and so on and so forth. So when I saw the plate of fruit that's taken to the tutor, I mean, Every single Korean would recognize what that is, you know, the, or the, having a drink at the convenience store, jjappaguri with sirloin steak in this case, the, the buffet at the driver's cafe. All these things are very, very recognizable uh, to Koreans, but it, it seems to have um, factored in. I mean, you know, it, it computes elsewhere as well. So what is the place of food in the film? Well, I think again.
0: I mean, just like as you point out, in terms of language and the visual style, uh, it 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 uh, it points to, I think, a place where, um, uh, you know, class division is being signified, as well as I think certain kind of notions of a threat of a family. That's uh, that's which is one of the theme of the movie. But uh, how interestingly enough. You have the poor family that is, in some ways, more resourceful when it comes to food. You know, they they seem to enjoy eating. They seem to always be congregated as a family, which which again in Korea you don't see much, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, why do you think mukbang started, all, you know, in Korea? Right? <laughs> <laughs> because you, you have so what much. What that
1: is? Huh? What you, could you explain what that is for viewers oh,
0: who don't I think know? Is... You know, who <laughs> watching this know exactly what mukbang is. So I'm not. I don't know, but it's basically eat cast, right? I mean it started in Korea uh with uh, live VJs basically eating, you know, basically entire Chinese menu. <laughs> uh I just just obscene amount of food and 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 um, you know it became uh live cast, but I think you know, more and more is also becoming uh more popular as a broadcast, you know, uh, a recorded um broadcast of uh, uh food eating, which uh then um people like to associate with okay i i can you know eat vicariously right so so you you get compensated for the very small amount of food you're eating you know, just just looking at these people eating away you know mm-hmm. uh and um a lot of people uh i I've did it a couple of times <laughs> when i'm when when I'm alone i you know, I would turn it on and I would eat (laughs) just because it keeps you company, so to speak, you know. Um, And a lot of people I know do that, especially people uh, who eat alone, Mm -hmm. you know. This has become, I think, one of the symptoms of obviously uh, social media. Not a good one. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that has a way of speaking about, you know, how isolated uh, people have become uh, and family-less, you know, people have become. And so you have... um, a poor family that is eating, you know, obviously really well, and they're having family time and they're having actual conversations, whereas, uh, you know, the wealthy family, you know, the first of all, though, none of them know how to cook, right? So you have the wife who is, you know, uh, without a help of a, a maid, she's clueless how to prepare anything, not even not even ramen, right? <laughs> so yes, so I have the aid of a of a maid. Uh and um you know uh children are spoiled, so they don't want to be part of you know uh, eating process with the family, right? They have you know meals served to them, it seems, you know, when they have these touring sessions and and the father also number one he talks about, oh I let's just let's just you know, I'm by myself, but I would rather eat out. he, he talks about, oh, I like to eat kabichin because my wife is such an awful cook. And the maid is just left, it's between maids, right? That period of interval, he says, Oh, I, I I don't like to go home because my wife doesn't know how to cook and you know, I'd rather eat out by myself, <laughs> you know, than to face a you know basically a shitty meal at, at home. <laughs> so, you know, you 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 think about obviously, yeah, they have all these resources, you know, all these all these money, and yet without obviously a proper kind of a you know a, uh, uh, the the auxiliary kind of cooks and, you know, servers, you just don't know how to function in the kitchen. You know, I think it's the breakdown of the family that is so, in many ways, typical of, uh, of uh, Korea's place, I think, in the world also, because it has obviously become more wealthier and doesn't mean, you know, they're happier, right? But um, in some ways it has become more precarious and you, you've got, obviously, a situation mm-hmm. that is... Um, that is not uh, uh, congenial um, in terms of family time and and, and and the meals and so on. And there's a lot more in terms of the fusion, ways in which food has become um, uh, transnational and so on and so forth, but I'll mm-hmm. stop there.
1: Well, um, so the film captures the atomization of society, but um, again, very consistent in all of his films, uh, I'm thinking of Mother in particular, is that... Um, Although he's really excoriating about the world in which we live, when it comes to the family, uh, in all of his films, he creates—he—he he seems to create this oasis of love and loyalty. So, with the three families we see in the film, you know, they treat other other families as the other, but within the family, the loyalty is just never questioned. So, do you? Well, have, uh, would you disagree with that well i mean
0: yes and no i mean because i think love is there in fact you know but it it becomes really somewhere along the line really sick and perverse also right mother is is a prime example i mean you you have love that is disproportionate and you know just uh, it's a it's a symptom of malady you know of of, of a sort right that um you know it's just uh, it, it's uh it's um, I mean, the the mother in that movie, from what I remember, is just really, really mental, right? Uh, to you know, to a point, like the overprotection and the overbearing of the of, of the of the son. And then, obviously, in this movie as well, I mean, um, not so much of the poor family, but you know, the rich family. I mean, the the, the more resourceful and you know, more time you got in your hands. I mean. Uh, you know the, the overbearing and the 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 overparenting becomes also a malady itself, right? I mean, you're just doing way too much, and and you gotta say you you just gotta shut up and stop. You know, you're you're actually the cause of the child's sickness. You know, mm-hmm. and and he's gonna become mental before you know it. I mean, it's a, it's a kind of uh, you know conjecture that you want to make because um, she is. Really, uh, obviously, I'm talking about um, the uh, the rich, right? Mother, uh, not the poor mother, uh, but it's uh, uh, it's it's uh, almost anti-therapeutic, right? The way in which you know she carries on her parenting. So, um, I mean, she's already a little psych- psycho, I mean, to begin with. I mean, if you think about it, the the moment we meet him, I mean, she's sleeping, right? she's, she constantly is, uh, sleep deprived, which is obviously one of the, you know, ways in which phone is trying to depict her not to be, or less than normal. Right. Um, yes. I and, mean, um, and, uh, there is something that is really not quite right, you know, with that family and, and it begins with the mother.
1: And I will just, um, ask one more questions before taking questions from the audience. So, uh, Please feel free to post questions. Uh, which is, I know that you are in contact with Pong Juno and um, and uh, what he's been doing during lockdown and the very specific way he creates films through storyboarding. Um, would you would you uh, share some of the stories about his storytelling, which is very very unusual? Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean in Korea.
0: Uh, everything is, uh, you know, nowadays over the last 20 years, I mean, there's been a division of labor. So cinematography, you know, their team does their own thing, you know, editing, they do their own team production design, they do their own thing, you know, so on and so forth. Um, and, uh, there is a, what is called the professional, like a storyboarding, you know, team that it works, uh, directly with the editing team, as well as the cinematography team. So the director usually reviews and evaluates, you know, once they're done with the script, um, you know, storyboarding uh, in Korea is called uh, Conti, and, you know, here is continuity. You know, you, you basically produce a storyboarding book. And I believe the uh, uh, English version is also out. Uh, uh, the, yeah. Uh,
1: Very
0: <laughs> But Bum Junnot even from very early days uh did not um outsource storyboarding to a you know professional storyboarder uh but he drew the um Conte himself you know and he was famous for being very meticulous and detailed with his storyboarding and um and that runs in the family you know because he uh, his father if you look at the if you have access to the uh uh, the slide, the the last one uh, of that slide. Do you see someone? It's the Coca Cola one. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's Korean uh, graphic of uh, Coca Cola. And you know who who did that? Was it Paul? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. You're close. It was Bong Joon's father, who was uh, who was a calligrapher. He mm-hmm. was a first generation computer, a graphic artist. You know. He uh, he was uh, he was the one who did the titles uh, in the 1960s in films, uh, and then he went and taught uh, actually uh, illustration and graphics. So and he did the he did many designs that are really famous in Korea still today, and Coca Cola I believe still uses a variation of that font that uh, Bong Joon father created, which is really cute. And, you know, I mean, it runs that kind of artist uh James runs in, in the the family obviously he he got that from you know his father side. and you know his mother's side he he comes from obviously the, the mother's uh father is pak taiwan who's who's one of the most famous um uh, uh a novelist you know who he defects north korea and there's another whole story with uh, with that mm-hmm. uh being blacklisted and so on and so forth but um, you know, so from his mother, you get the literary genes and you get from your father's side, you get the, you get the artist genes and, and there, you, there you have, who do you know, you know, making the artistic and literary, you know, obviously uh, products uh, that we now know uh, are, uh, you know, residual uh, in, in, in movies like Parasite and others.
1: Great. Now, I will turn to some questions from the audience. So this is from Alberto Vasquez. I hope I got the pronunciation correct. The question is this. Speaking of the hierarchy of language, what could be said about the accents of each character and their relationship to how they change social class? Well, this is with reference to the Kims, I suppose, but... I suppose you could relate it to how Young Gil throws in these English words, which are sometimes very inappropriate.
0: Yeah, I, I I feel the innuendos again of language very, very difficult to translate. And uh, it's a, I feel it's a whole different experience watching the movie in Korean and 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 obviously same movie, same movie, yes, but with subtitles with the English audiences here. Um, I thought in some ways uh, the English, the, the one with the subtitles for the English audience has worked out in some ways better. You know, Yeah, the movie did extremely well in Korea. You know, um, everybody was odd and uh, really uh, found the movie, movie marvel- you know, marvelous. But a lot of people actually uh, didn't catch, because of the English humor that he uses, uh, I, I liked it. And I think English-speaking audiences they like it, like you know, the, the, the Mrs. Park saying, um, you know, when uh, Jessica talks about schizophrenic kind of tendencies of the of the son, she goes like, "Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, so phrenia, phrenia," you know, <laughs> like this is like in in for the Korean audience. I, I went and watched the movie in Korea at least twice, and nobody—I mean, I was the one only laughing because I I thought it was it was so funny that she would like. Be so panicky and, and anxious and be like, Prinya, <gasps> Prinya, you know. Like, but, but nobody would be laughing at that scene because, you know, schizophrenia is, is not, you know, obviously within the familiar everyday idiom of, of a Korean language scape, right? But here, people crack up, you know, uh, when, when Joy Zhong, you know, the, the actress plays uh, Mrs. Park, uh, <laughs> says, you know, it's, uh, to, to capture that essence of, I mean, she is just over anxious
1: about everything. Yes, right? yes. Yeah. Now, um, we, go ahead. we have a few questions on the scholar's stone. Many people would like to know various aspects of the scholar's stone. Um, what does the stone mean to Kyu? And what does the director want to show the audience as the stone finally floats in the water? Yeah, um, I mean, I I think again, the film is more yes, it's about
0: class struggle, you know, but with a twisted again, you know, humorous satirical angle that the of again, the Asian doesn't necessarily lead to this kind of revolutionary kind of um, utopia.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: it, you know, uh, it's not that kind of affirmation that he seeks. It's more cynical than that. It, it just doesn't need to anywhere and. And here you have a stone, which could be, could be used as a reference. I mean, if you think about metaphor, because that's what it says. Oh, it's a great metaphor, right? As soon as that stone or the rock appears, you got Gui um, was saying, yeah, wow, this is so metaphoric. And it does become a metaphor. It's a yeah. weapon of, of destruction or violence or, or this kind of anger, right? This class of anger, you know, I, I, I'm I'm fed up with this, right? And and he you know, in in he doesn't have to go there but like the stone gives him that strength, right? Mm-hmm. Stone gives him that strength to to unleash that anger and the and, and and that violence because um he he without without the stone I don't think he would have uh you know been been uh, uh, generating that kind of, again, agency, right, to, 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 to become violent. Yeah. But, but it, you, it's no hammer and a sickle, you see? You know, the stone, yeah, that is, it, is it hammer and a sickle, right? Like the, the, the traditional uh, conventional way in which you understand, you know, the, the kind of, I don't know, revolutionary fervor or ideal Mm-hmm. Or is it, you know, BLM sign or something like that, you know, which, which we know to be more of a metaphor of a, you mm-hmm. know, uh, this social divide and and, and 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 as such, it's not, you know, because uh, Bong Juno is very crafty and and and, and saying, well, yes and no, right? Again, he's you're thinking about metaphor only in a post metaphoric sense, mm-hmm. only in a post Marxist sense. Right. Well, this is because it, it doesn't necessarily have a clear cut solution, clear cut answer where negation of negation, these two affirmation of, again, revolution. Right. He doesn't think that, you know, so you have that kind of, I think, equation being upset. And I think uh, by by having that kind of opaque. Sense of symbolism, as such, you know, um, the 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 mineral stone. Um, there you have a case of, again, Bonjour being uh, moving away from. Okay, yes, it's it's about uh, how the system is messed up, and capitalism. Yes, has to reset itself, but I don't know whether you know um, there is an agency, stable agents that. Has a way mm-hmm. of uncorking that you know,
1: is is my is my takeaway. On, on that note, if if the, af- the negation of a negation does not lead to an affirmation, right? You, do you see that um, as being pessimistic or optimistic? I mean, how do you see? Well, it? You're not seeing. Well, I mean, it's, it's pessimistic in, in
0: some ways. Yes, I mean, if you if you think about the ending of the movie, and I'm and I'm sorry to be giving away
1: all these, you know. Um, <laughs> no everyone could uh, wh- have watched so the people, film before, people, before the discussion. I'm assuming watched it. I mean it's
0: um Yeah, it's uh it's a pessimistic ending, no? I mean I, I felt wow, you know, like you uh, yeah you you're not gonna win this fight against the system. Okay, so so forget it, right? For Q. I mean, we yeah, he, he, dead, you know, and like Jessica's dead, and you go, Oh, you know, that's that's really sad, but like he he laughs it off, you know. Remember the reaction is, you know, Q's reaction is again like he lost it, right? Yeah. Again, that he's become a schizo. He he becomes, oh, I don't know. I mean he's in delirium. Here is a classic delusional sense of of now right? Not knowing what to do, right? I mean, you've got to laugh it off. I mean, you can't mourn and cry. you got to laugh it off. And then it goes to that kind of, you know, brief fantasy sequence. Okay, I'm not going to beat the system. Then what? At least I can try to make hell of money. You know, I'm going to make hell of money, and I'm going to beat the system that way. You know, I'm not going to do it through violence. Okay, it's, it's not through the mineral stone that creates violence. I'm going to do it through, okay, I'm going to get that job, you know, whatever, uh, uh, hedge my bets on Wall Street, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna win. You know, I'm gonna beat the system that way. No, right? Mm-hmm. No. Even at the end, it was all a dream, right? It was, it was a reverie. It, it was, it was a utopia that was not meant to be, not meant to be, right? So, uh, you have an ending that is really more bitter than sweet, right? Yes. Right. If you, call, you want to call it pessimism, then fine. You know, I have this bitter. It's, it's It's not sweet I mean from my where I come from I don't know how people understood or how what the takeaway of the ending was for others, but to me it was definitely more bitter than than sweet so yes, it's was, it was depressing <laughs>
1: yeah. well I, I don't know because um, I mean it was so harrowing but the fact that the boy he clings onto the dream in order to survive it. And he's he's communicating through Morse code and he has this dream that will help him endure. I mean, for me that was kind of redemptive. So uh, that was a little bit of hope there. Uh, <laughs> you if, are you are me. It, if you
0: think about his so, own, I mean you know, he's he's writing a letter to the father, but that
1: that cannot be delivered, right? Yeah. He can only be on the recipient end, you know. Mm-hmm. Right? He needs to he needs to have that in order to survive. So there is the, is value is the letter thing? that is never going to be delivered.
0: You, if you think about it. I mean if you uh, like we're you know like if you think what we're how is it going to be delivered a letter to to the father? You know, like I, I don't know. You know, because he cannot see you know, only he can see the Morse code, you know, through the through the lights, the flickering of the lights. I, I don't think he has a way of
1: cracking through nevertheless they don't give up but anyway we have lots more questions um we have a couple that involves jessica i loved jessica an interesting character and uh one is what do you make of the fact that the daughter who is always resourceful and clever which she is is the only one who ultimately dies in the kim family the other one is what could you address the significance of the dodo island Ditty, the mnemonic device used by the sister you know when she's ringing the bell uh she she has this jingle what 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 do you uh make of, of that yeah. yeah i I was thinking about you
0: know that is it's also multi layered right that song because that jingle as you call it or Jessica's song that's become mimified and yeah <laughs> uh, it's uh part of our uh, you know it's a ringtone and um my name is Jessica you know that, that
1: you know where that comes from right you know where yeah. primary school huh isn't it primary school did you know memorizing the times table yeah, yes yes but, but what song is it oh i don't know what song it is oh,
0: yeah. oh <laughs> I have to
1: question your Koreanness now. It <laughs> 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 was <is> from Korea. <laughs> it's Tokto Island, right? Oh yes, this is why. It's, oh, it's the Dokdo yeah. Island, not the Dodo Island.
0: Yeah, yeah, Dokdo is our island. is is the is the original song that it actually um, uh, has been used to. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's it's so multi-layered because it's a very nationalist, you know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, anti-anti-Japan song. You know, um, you you dare to claim that island off of our map? You know, you're gonna get it, right? It's a is a song that you learn um, when you're when you I mean, every Korean knows a song, except maybe you, so.
1: No, I know the song, but I hadn't kind of recognized it in that jitty
0: because yeah. you're so and marvelous. It, it, it's been turned around to actually, right? Used as a as, as a kind of a jingle in that in that moment. So it's it's got multi layered, uh, and um, just like language is multi layered, and as well as in many ways, I thought the the architecture of the movie, you know, especially the house. I mean, mm-hmm. talk briefly about the window. I mean, it's a it's a cinema of filtering. I feel right. The is creating constantly cinema of the exhibition because you're you're doing frame as in the frame constantly, right? So if you go to I don't know three and four of the um, of the uh, slides that I've actually posted, and four is um, I know it's pretty dark, but it's uh, it captures the poor, two poor families, you know, fighting. Mm-hmm. Inside the rich people's mansion, and constantly is projecting it through a filter or through right, through a frame, um, and that's what Pong Junuo is constantly creating. So, uh, a lot of times he's uh, even even little jingles, uh, architecture setting, place, people. Uh, he's constantly trying to build, obviously, multi layers. Yes, and visual multi layers. Um, Mm-hmm. is what he's constantly again trying to do. But going back to the part about you know what I what I thought about uh Kijong is um that she uh again participate I mean she's she's probably is best in terms of again art of deception you know I mean this is this is one thing you know if you're if you don't have money right this is what you need to have in order to move up. You know, because you're stuck, you're a you're, you're dirt spoon, you know, opposed to a gold sp- golden spoon, and you're going to be stuck as a, as a dirt spoon um, uh, if you don't have money. But if you have what you can do, again, this is very cynical and, and obviously a sarcastic way of looking at the world Yeah, you know, without ne- necessarily, right, hoping for the utopian change or transformation. This, so how can you actually theme, right? How can you actually pretend? And, and pretend is a word that comes up quite a bit in the movie. How can you pretend to be somebody else? Right? And at least enjoy right, that status for the time being.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: If you're never going to be uh, ascended to that other class, if if that entryway is blocked from you, right? And and that class true form of again, class demolition or class, you know, uh, elevation is impossible. If those are impossible, then what, what can you do? If you're smart, then I think Kijong does hold an answer that is art of deception,
1: right? Yes. And we have a lot of questions. Uh, Anna Brusuti, Br- 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 sorry, I garbled your um, Japanese um, colonialism question, but we move on to Ethan Yu, who asks... Is it safe to consider this film a horror film? When I was watching it, my chest felt so tight, and I was on the edge of my seat seeing what would happen, what would happen next. But as you two mentioned, it doesn't seem like there's a real antagonist in this film. Is this a movie on the horror of Capital or something different? This is from Ethan.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I wrote a piece and argue that there is kind of that Gothic element, you know, um, and you're English prof. So, you know, this better than I do. I mean, the, the, uh, the, the Victorian Gothic, right. Is, is, I think a place where you got, uh, the modern, uh, horror, you know, tales and movies and Frankenstein, and, you know, and all of that stuff, uh, that have, uh, that have inspired the American or the Western kind of sense of the horror. I think the, and and in many ways, I think Jane Eyre also, I mean, I still remember, you know, reading Jane Eyre when I was young, like age 13 or 14 and being really, really horrified, you know, at 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 the ending when the woman appears from the attic, right? And she, I thought that was going to be a happy ending, but what the hell happened with Rochester and, you know, right? And that wife that he's be either the guy is going to get married twice now. I and mean, that's that's a real horror. That that sense of that mad woman from the attic. And a lot of obviously, you know, English um professors and faculty, you know, I mean, it, 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 people have mar- made careers out of talking about the post-colonial right um, sense of the horror. It was see it's the it's the it's the hidden colonies, right, that speak volumes about that kind of mad woman in the attic you know what kind of a syndrome um yeah. here you have uh the bunker and the mad man in the cellar you know which is in some ways borrowed from you know mad woman in the you know from the attic but you have a different i mean because korea never was a you know colonial power itself you know i mean if this was a japanese movie I, mean, I think you may uh, have a different kind of reading. Maybe, Geunse, the, the guy who's a refugee in the bunker may be seen as a, you know, kind of a, Joseon-jin, you know, right? The Korean, you know, who's who's, who's Japanese have been hiding, you know, and, and you can do that kind of a post colonial reading, but Korea never really participated in that kind of, right? But it did, in many ways, I mean, participate in a different kind of a horror that is, uh, you know, what I talked about that did really happen to Bong's family also because. His his family had to hide the fact that his uh, grandfather right was a very famous novelist was you know uh, now a national hero in North Korea, right? So you have uh, many you know they were uh, they were actually punished for years. They were the, the, uh, the, the guy, Moon Jun's father, uh, couldn't be employed uh, by a national university although he had all the status and the you know all the all the all the uh, dossier. Um, and experience that would have made him a perfect employee at a national university, he couldn't get that job because obviously his, he was married to a woman who was basically a daughter of a commie, right? A very famous one at that. So they had to live, obviously, hiding the fact and concealing the fact that they were affiliated and associated with a very important communist writer for a long time. You know, so you have a different kind of a blacklisting and a sense of a, I think, a real historical trauma that uh, inspires a tale of, I think, I think this bunker, which in many ways is, you know, direct allegory of obviously the North Korea threat and blah blah blah. But you 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 have again multi layer kind of a historical sense of trauma and horror that that. Uh, allows that bunker to have that kind of, I don't know, uh, allegory, if you will, or or a real sense of symbolism that has a way of escaping from that real trauma, you know, because, yeah, it's too comical, but now you can actually have fun with it, you know, genre sense of a trauma, right? Even though that trauma of association blacklisting and, you know, uh, people under the bunkers was real.
1: I would just have to thank everybody. Thank you so much, Kyung for this wonderful conversation. I would also like to thank Emily Zin and Miguel Penabella, and also Chen Jin at East Asian uh, Studies, who helped me conceive of the project. And so, thank you all. I just want to leave on the last note um, of what Pong Juno said when he won the best foreign film. the golden globes remember this wonderful speech He said if you are able to overcome this one inch obstacle which is the subtitle the whole world is full of wonderful films and on that kind of opening up uh sentiment thank you very much for joining in thank you bye thank
0: you